We are here with our next edition of our Four Questions Journalist Spotlight. And we are talking with Archis Sashadri, a local reporter, and he's going to talk to us about who he is reporting for and all about him. Uh, he's reporting uh, live from, uh, recording semi-live from uh, the beaches of Hawaii, Hawaii, uh, South uh, Metro Atlanta area. Uh, I'm sure you, you all have seen the palm trees around Metro Atlanta and the, and the beautiful, the way the waves break. Uh, on, they're stunning. Uh, they're, they're beautiful beaches. They're hidden treasures. You just have to find that. I, I mean, these apparently, are very uh, rare. I haven't <laughs> found that beach. Uh, that, that is, the, that's Lake Dunwoody there, right? That, that is absolutely, you know, Lake Dunwoody. Uh, you know, there's a, a, a lot has happened in 2020. If you thought it was just pandemic and protest, you clearly missed the palm trees, the other missing pea. <laughs> well, this, is, this is where our state taxes have been going, apparently, to build this great lake that they were, I, I think they were just waiting to unveil uh, in, in, in early March. And then they got sidetracked and forgot to unveil it. Well, everybody was going to the beach, and I said, why miss out on the party? So if you can't go to the beach, bring the beach home. So this is my cool little virtual beach background. I totally wish I was in Hawaii or some beach, but uh, we're going to play it safe and uh, virtually was, enjoy everything as we have been learning in 2020. But thank you for having me on, Nick. I appreciate it. Sure. I, I was actually – I was supposed to be in Hawaii the – actually, last – let me think. Uh, two weeks ago, I was supposed to be there. We had a family trip planned for a year. Ooh. So, that didn't happen. Postponed so we're, or cancel? What happened to the Hawaii trip? Uh, we're gonna. I think we're gonna do it next May, next mm-hmm. May or June. So we're. I we have are, a funny Hawaii story. That I'm gonna interject really quickly that you mentioned yeah. it. So two years ago, every year my friends and I we do a trip, and we did Hawaii. So last year we went to uh, India. The year before was Hawaii, and for some reason, um, so for me I love like beaches and like the sea green. Exactly what you see in the background. The shirt that I'm wearing. <laughs> sea like, I just love the beach. Just the water. For some reason, I kept thinking we went to Oahu, which I can't still pronounce, and Kauai. And we were playing Jeopardy with my friends online. We do these game nights. And they're like, you know, we went to Maui. I was like, no, we didn't. They're like, no, we totally went to Rotahana, which is in Maui. And I've been telling people for the last two years, oh, you should go to you know, Oahu. And I'm like, I haven't even been there. <laughs> so giving people all these advice on where to go in Hawaii and the beautiful waters. And I'm sure Oahu has beautiful waters and beaches, but that is on my bucket list. Like you are. All right. Well, I, I may pick your brain now that you know where you where you were. <laughs> right. Now, now that your friends have, challenged. Now that your friends have figured it out for you. So, Arch. So, tell me who you're working for now. And uh, well, actually, let's start with kind of your background. So, you got an interesting, got a cool background. So, tell me kind of your your work, what kind of work background, and and then we'll then kind of go into where you're working now. Absolutely. So, I am a reporter. I'm a storyteller at heart been in the television news business for the last 12 years. Hard to believe. I'm not that old, but in my mind, I'm 12. <laughs> so I've been a journalist. It's something that I absolutely love. I get to wake up every day, cover amazing stories, inspiring stories, and help people understand about what's happening in the world. So I feel like it's a, it's a privilege. It's an honor to be able to do a job that you love and wake up. And it, to me, I do feel like it's a calling. It's not a job. I don't think about this as a nine to five and I get to, I have to work. I, 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 I really love what I do. And uh, for me, I get my energy from people and meeting about people and learning about the world and be able to share those amazing stories. So uh, I call myself a storyteller uh, because journalist is the title, but at the end of the day, what, what is it that I get to do? And it's tell people stories uh, for people by people. So you didn't start out in journalism, right? You started out in a different career. Is that, is that correct? 
Absolutely. I am one of the few uh, engineer turned journalists, engineers from Georgia Tech. Uh, love my school, love my alma mater, but I went to school for uh, my uh, degrees in engineering. I was always good at math and science, so I did that for um, a couple of years. And I realized, you know what, I cannot, this is not what I'm supposed to do with my life. And I think I'm, I'm fortunate to figure that out. I wrote for the paper when I was at Tech, the Tech Media. So I'd always enjoyed it, but I was always dissuaded by people saying, oh, well, you know, there's not a lot of money in the media. You know, journalism is a very difficult profession. It's not as lucrative. So I got my undergrad and my master's in engineering, and I worked in consulting for about six years. And while I was in consulting, my feedback from my managers were always like, Chip, you're so good at presentation and leadership and communication. It comes so naturally to you. And I'd always enjoyed it. I never thought about it as a career until it was that point. I was like, you know, what do I want to do with my life? Do I want to continue working my way up in consulting, maybe go get my MBA in B school, or sort of take the un, untraveled path or create my own path? And definitely, definitely, uh, I'm always about creating your own journey and following your dreams. So it's worked out, and still, there's still a, a huge uh, a road ahead. So, so you were, you, and you worked uh, overseas for a bit, too, is that correct? I did. So I never studied abroad at Georgia Tech. So that was my one regret. A lot of Georgia Tech has a program in France called GT Lorraine. And a lot of us were like just trying to, you know, summer school and just get through college. And I was like, why don't we graduate early? But um, I did get to work abroad. I was in India for two years anchoring in New Delhi for a global, global English network called uh, Weon. I was part of Z News. So they, they do a lot of uh, Hindi and regional, um, you know, their, their entertainment, their news, their all sorts of, uh, it's a huge channel, sort of like an NBC or an ABC or CBS, if they launched a, a, a Hispanic or, you know, Spanish speaking channel in the U.S. Um, the biggest question I always get asked is, did you anchor in Hindi? I was like, listen, my Hindi is not so good or fluent. It's all in English. And uh, no, it was, a, it was a blast. I absolutely okay. loved it. I, I miss it. But, um, you know, I, I wanted to go and enjoy it for, you know, learn as much as I can. I was anchoring for four or five hours a day, reporting, hosting a couple of uh, lifestyle and entertainment shows just a blast and the food of course is phenomenal in india your dollar goes a long way so it was a lot of fun so, so you were at uh let's see you did some work for cnn cnn international uh let's see ajc uh and uh kbar magazine too right so you got a good magazine, yeah so I, I actually started in print i did print for a little bit and started with uh writing articles and you know getting my foot in the door that way because uh, I didn't go to journalism school. And a lot of journalists tell you, you don't need to have a degree, go be an expert in something else, and then take that talent and that skill set, that beat, and, you know, carve that into it. You know, at the end of the day, what, is a, what does a good journalist have to do? Be balanced, be objective, be able to write well, be able to multitask. And I think when people find out some of the things that are required of journalists, what we are, have to do, they're surprised. I was like, you know, this is, this is the 2020 journalist. We're doing a lot of different things, and you're not just you know, submitting one article every week or writing one package or a news story. It's constant output, putting things together on social and digital and television and, you know, all sorts of avenues because people are consuming news every minute of the day. They're not waiting for the six o'clock or the 11 o'clock news. So being a journalist, you have to be able to do all of those things well. And each platform has a different need or the way Twitter is different than Instagram Live uh, as, we, as we're doing right now or Facebook or your news stories are you know, we want to get to the meat of the story quickly. You know, you have two minutes. We work eight hours a day to tell a two-minute story. Put that into perspective. Condensing all that to such a short amount. Right. I was with a, a network crew once, and I will not name their names, but we spent eight hours 
taping something and I kept thinking, I know this segment is going to be about four minutes. And, uh, but, you know, they were shooting a lot of stuff. So talk to me about, so you're with, so the, the network, the group you're with now is, is Nexstar, is that correct? So tell me how that That's correct. Yeah, Nexstar Media Group. So I'm with Nexstar. I'm the Atlanta Bureau Correspondent, the Atlanta Bureau Chief for Nexstar. So Nexstar owns uh, nearly 200 TV stations around the country in about 115 different news markets. So here in the Southeast, I primarily work for most of the stations in Georgia, South Carolina, Alabama, Florida, and North Carolina. So five states and 15 cities. My primary ones are Georgia because I'm based in Atlanta, but a lot of the content, especially now with pandemic and the protests and the CDC and all that uh, can be used for a lot of the stations here regionally as well. And sometimes even nationally, we've done stories for uh, uh, Chicago, San Francisco, Dallas. So it just really depends, but I cover the Southeast for next time. Okay. And, and how long have you been with them? Uh, almost a year, almost a year. So I got this job sort of a, uh, I wouldn't say accidentally, but, it, you know, things work out when they're supposed to work out. So I was in India, you know, I was there for two years. I came back and my brother got married. I was like, you know, let me just take a break. The first time in my career, I'll just kind of freelance. I've never freelance before. And just to, what do I, where do I want to go next? And, you know, sort of uh, shopping around for agents and what exactly, what markets do I want to be in and what type of content do I want to put out? So my boss is, um, so when I started off in TV news, I was in Macon and Augusta, Charlotte. So the way, as you know, in TV news, you start in small markets, medium markets, and work yourself up. Right. And I sort of enjoyed this sort of, my role I feel like now is a hybrid of local news and network news. It's sort of the feel of network, but I still get to cover local, which I really enjoy. The reason I say that is local is so important, especially now, because you're covering things in your community and you have control over the story that you put out. You know, you're pitching the story, you're interviewing the people, you're producing it, and you get to present it. So I think all of those elements are important. Sometimes that network, I think people aspire that, and there's, those are great goals and great aspirations, but working at CNN and some other networks, I think you see there are other perhaps bottlenecks or dilemmas. You don't get to necessarily control the interviews. You don't sometimes even do the interviews. You're just sort of given the feed, and you're given somebody else's video, and you're putting it together. So it's like how much of that is your story or your voice? And in this situation, I get to tell them, here's what I want to do. Here's the angle, and here are the people I want to interview. So you have a lot more autonomy, and you get to really be able to showcase the, the narrative that you wish to wish to say. So, so you're you're based here in Atlanta. Are you traveling around the state, or mostly here in Atlanta? Mostly Atlanta for now, um, just because of what's happened with pandemic. And I was originally hired to be the state capital reporter, so covering everything at the state capital with the legislative session. And before right. that, uh, a lot of medical stories. So. I like to kind of joke, I'm sort of the Sanjay Gupta for this network, or at least I like to think of myself as that. But I'm not a doctor, and Sanjay is way cooler than I am, but you know, he's great. But I, I just did a lot of medical stories. They're like, oh, Archip, you're brown. You know, they, they just put me on that beat. So I was doing vaping and flu and you know, all sorts of health stories. And then, of course, we have the biggest health story in our lifetime. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to be covering coronavirus for, for a while. Yeah, and then certainly plenty of the, the social issues that are that are popped up uh, or kind of arisen since then, so that, that's that's big too. So, so you had a good the better part of a year, and then the pandemic hit. So, how did your reporting change when when all that hit? I think the reporting changed dramatically because in the beginning of the year, I remember the type of stories we were planning out. And for me, I like to sort of plan out month by month, or you know, high level, what are the things we want to accomplish. And we focused the beginning of the year on a lot of politics and interviewing some of the local candidates here the, for the March primaries at that point which got postponed twice. So it was a lot of politics and 
government spending, where the lawmakers were going to go. Last year, we had the controversial heartbeat bill. And I think once March hit things, I think within, uh, within a few days, things changed. I believe it was the middle right. of March, and it was like, you know what? We're not covering the legislative session because it ended. And everything day by day went to pandemic, pandemic, coronavirus, you know, pregnancy impacts, travel impacts, school impacts. I mean, it's taken over our lives. And for journalists, we've had to be able to interview people through Zoom. And I've never thought we could do that. When, when they were like, you can work from your house. Like, really? How am I going to do interviews? So I think it's learning to adjust and be able to not only do the interviews, but help people set up a Zoom or a Skype or those type of interview formats and be able to showcase that story. So it's, it's changed a lot. So pandemic was the priority for the few, first few months. Then I think Memorial Day hit, and then we had George Floyd and civil protests. I was like, I never thought anything could beat a pandemic. Like, this is the biggest story I've ever covered. I think most journalists, and like, something has over-trumped that. So it was pandemic, protests, and then before we blink, it'll be elections. And 2020 is, uh, we're only half done. That's the crazy part. I'm like, oh, it's only been half a year. I know. But, uh, we got, <clears throat> we got, we got uh, national conventions, maybe, and, and then... Uh, you know, September, October are going to be all, all focused on the national election. So there's, there's all that. Yeah, we, you know, and I think the technical aspects of reporting, I think, are, are interesting. How, how you and other journalists have have adapted to that, and how, you know, your sources have adapted to being able to provide you with interviews in a, in a concise, clear way that, that makes them look good and and looks good on the air for you. I know we've been working with a lot of clients trying to help them with lighting and setup and and all that. I can't tell you how many, you know, interviews I've done with, with clients where they're totally backlit. I'm like, okay, let's turn this way. <laughs> no windows in the back. Those watching, no windows in the back. Put your laptop eye level. And, yeah, I love the ring light. I was like, ring? The, the ring light is a lot. I have two, actually. I have one here and then, like, a bigger one. And it's, like, it's such a... And it's so simple to use. I was like, you know what? All you do is plug it in. It's super easy. So I think going back to what you said, technology has played such an important role in the coverage or the, be, the ability to cover all of this. Uh, you know, a lot of people look back to 1918 or the, the Spanish flu in that era. I said, yes, you know, this is similar, but not exactly because you still are connected. You know, you're able to get on, um, we, you know, we do Zoom calls with friends now. We do, I was like, I hang out with friends online. <laughs> you right, never right. You would, or Google Hangouts or Google Meet. And you, know, you can do interviews online. You can feel connected in a different way, maybe not face-to-face, -face, but you know, this is, that, that keeps us informed. And you know, back then, without perhaps just radio, we have social media. We have Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and you still be able to churn out the content. But I think your audience, your viewers are a lot more forgiving. We've got some of our anchors anchoring from their house. You know, they put the phone on, it's Skype, and you have a, you know, one anchor in the studio, one anchor at home, and you sort of tag team it. So, it's just being reinventing the process that makes sense. So technology to the rescue, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I've read, read a lot of stories about the 1918 pandemic and how, how bad the internet service was back then. And it's just, so, there's, just yeah. no, there's just no comparison. I mean, it's so much better now. Of course. I mean, you know, you can have virtual beach backgrounds in. I mean, people That's always right. go to That's the real right. beach. Well, it's funny. We I mean, or we want out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, see, I still see some anchors here. They're tossing to their reporter who's at home and they said, Oh, here's so-and-so who's at home. I'm like, why even say they're at home? They're just reporting. You know, yeah. I mean, as a viewer, I don't care that they're at home they're, I'm getting the yeah. same quality of information, whether they're sitting in the studio or sitting at home to me, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. There's no this is what I home. call my Atlanta studio. People always ask me, where do you work? Where do you, I'm like, you know, <clears throat> I work here. 
this might not be your traditional broadcast studio, but it's a studio. It's got my laptop. It's got my lighting. It's got my mics. It's got everything I need. My tripod. Everything is here. And right. I do go out once in a while with, you know, there, you know, when there's uh, when the governor, we've had numerous press conferences. So when those happen, yes, we do go out and cover them. When there are certain people that you do need to interview, we've interviewed the Secretary of State on Zoom during the election. Yeah. So yeah. if the Secretary of State can do it, we've, you know, we, we're able to do that, we do. Sometimes it's just easier when there's a group press conference. Um, we, you know, they, they try to do social distancing. It, you know, it kind of works, not the best. But, you know, <laughs> right. and for me, the, the good part about that is um, I get to get out of my house. So it's a nice balance of being remote, but still being able to go out. And again, going back to what I said earlier about planning, I will sometimes plan out my stories in such a way I know what I'm going to be covering for the rest of the week. I can shoot my stand-ups or look live. That won't be dangerous. I'm not going to put yeah. specific numbers, but if I know something that I can take away from that press conference, I can put that in there and I uh, have a couple of extra ties and switch up the blazer and, you know, all these little camera tricks. I'm like, you know, all about being efficient and still telling the story. And the story is not about me. I'm just narrating the story for the audience. Right, right. All right, so, so walk me through for our, for our viewers and listeners which Georgia TV stations can, where, where will folks see you? So in Georgia, the stations are WJBF and Augusta. That's the ABC affiliate. WRBL in Columbus. That's the CBS affiliate. And WSAB in Savannah. That is the NBC affiliate. So all of those in Georgia. Uh, and yep. then you can watch them usually on social media as well. If you're not in that market, if you're in Atlanta, uh, most of these places stream it or I post it on my Facebook page. <clears throat> okay, cool, cool. All right, so kind of switching to a the fun a little bit more of a fun topic and, and we'll this come is back fun to me too this is, this is yeah yeah <laughs> so I, I was i was i always like to kind of get to know my guests in kind of a funky way so what oh, yeah. is you know what's the coolest thing about you that people might not know and, and maybe we've touched on some of that already but you know, what's what's cool about you that people are like yeah hey, I, I, I collect you know pet rocks still or something you know that that kind of thing Ooh, that's a great question. I actually have two things. I'm going to share both of those things. And uh, one is I'm obsessed with ties. I love ties. And I think when I moved to India, I, I found this brand of ties that was like very stylish and sleek and colorful and bright for, for a lot of guys. You know, you have very few options, right? It's a white right, or blue, right. black or blue or gray suits. So I like ties, except I don't know how to tie them. So I like <laughs> to wear them. I just don't know how to tie them. So either my dad will help me tie them or... When you I was wrap around the, wrap around the guy, please tie this because I don't really know how to tie it. <laughs> so you do like the karate kid and just do, do the bandana kind of thing? The bandana, well. The tie? I, I would, except I'm too particular about my hair and my oh, hair. Yeah. <laughs> so do, do you have one of your ties there to show us? I, I can show you one of them. They're, they're, it's inside oh, my uh, closet. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll, get we'll, we'll, we'll come back. Oh, we'll come back. We'll come back to the tie again. I didn't come prepared yeah. to show and tie. I didn't wear a tie because I was like, well, it's Friday casual. You yeah, know? that's right. Well, I'll tell you, I don't send know the me beach, some, right? There's no ties to the beach. <laughs> send me some. Send me some pictures of your of some of your your favorite ties, and we'll intersperse that. Will. We'll intersperse yeah. that uh, that in here. All right. So that I was one. Ties. Of Absolutely love them. The other fun fact is I love games. So, and I try to make everything a game. This might be like the like my type A fun competitive personality. I love. I you know I think coming into anything that you do and having a good positive attitude is a great way to start your day, and that positive energy I think is infectious. But I think making it a game also ups the ante a little bit. So whenever it's with my friends or anything, I'm like, you know, I'll even make a game of my news stories. I'll be like, you know what? Let me see how early I can do this. How efficient can I be to finish this report by three o'clock, even if it's two o'clock? Some days I don't win, but I think just sort of going into that. And, um, and the reason I bring that up is because I got to be on a game show two years ago 
and channel my competitive game show spirits. That is my biggest fun fact. I got to be on a $100,000 pyramid with Snoop Dogg. So whenever people give like, a fun fact, I'm like, actually, I do. And I say it because it's, it's such a funny, hilarious episode about hip hop. And I know nothing about hip hop. So it's like me being competitive in a world I know nothing about. <laughs> but, and, you, and, you, and you won, right? I did win, exactly. Yeah. I won. So, yeah, uh, let's give credit where credit is. Yeah, get credit here. You, you, you won. But it's funny because people are like, oh, I'm like, I won without giving a single hip hop clue. That's the funny part. It's not like I won because I knew it, but that's yeah. what I'm always like, listen, play the cards that you're dealt with and just enjoy the journey and it'll, it'll kind of, the, the dominoes will fall hopefully in the right way. And, uh, all right. It's, it's kind of, cool, cool. Did what all right, so, I wanted, but I wanted enough of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I know, um, you know, we talked about kind of what you're, what you've been covering and there's certain, certain topics you have to cover, but are there stories that you, you've got on the back burner that you're thinking, you know, my viewers really want to know about these topics. I really want to come back to, to this and cover, cover these topics, you know, a month or next week or six months from now when I maybe want to have more time. I think a lot of people, and this is the benefit of social media, is uh, sometimes people look at the media as a lens of, oh, you know, the media has a narrative, the media has an objective. And I try my best to explain that media is different than tabloid. And I think when you are, I said, if you have a question, let me know. I'm happy to ask those questions. So when those governor pressers happen, what questions do you have? I'm happy to ask as many of them. So I think just that transparency is important. When it comes to stories, like especially with the pandemic, we, are, we, we don't know. We are also trying to learn, not only as a reporter or as a journalist, but as a consumer. You know, how much testing do we have? Is the virus mutating? All of these questions people want to know. But I think the most exciting sometimes stories are people say news can be negative. And news can be, you know, it's your death, doom, and destruction. And... At a certain point, you know, instead of just reporting the numbers, I think looking at trends is important. But people also like uplifting stories. So with the pandemic, we did a story about the guy who was doing the sign language, the, the interpreter. Uh, you know, and I think that, that's fine. It's still, it's still about the pandemic, but yeah. a little bit more lighthearted. So people love a good human interest story. Uh, I love inspirational stories. And I think those are fun to cover and, you know, it, you know, about, hey, you know, there's a lot bad happening in the world too, but there's a lot of good. There's a lot of hope. And we should have started a few days ago. Um, there was a cop, I think, in Atlanta who was driving by. He saw you know, this, uh, this black family walking by. He pulled over. Um, it was a white cop, and he offered them a, a ride in an Uber. And I was like, you know, just because there's some bad apples doesn't mean all the apples are bad. Same with any profession. I think whether it's you know, the cops or journalists or anybody, right? There's, there's good apples and bad apples. I think it's about choosing to look at it through a positive lens. So for me, human interest stories are always exciting. And, you know, some days we're, all, we're able to cover that hopefully more so in the second half of the year. But I think it's also timeliness and being respectful of what's happening. When so there's something so, as crazy as this, you have to know when to sprinkle in it. So for your, for your viewers in Savannah, Columbus, uh, and Augusta, is there a different perspective that they're looking for maybe than what viewers in Atlanta might be looking for? You know, I always like to kind of understand kind of what kind of stories, because I, I, I think it, media in Georgia is very different outside of Metro Atlanta than Metro Atlanta media. I think there's kind of two worlds of, you know, there's two Georgias, but I think there's two media worlds when you get outside of Metro Atlanta in terms of how people consume media and how things are reported. Well, I used to work in Augusta there for about four years. I think, yes, there is a little bit of a difference, but at the ultimate core of it, right? A good story is a good story. Somebody else asked me a question about that. You know, uh, there's a, a lot of different stations here in Atlanta, right? Whether it's local, whether it's network, whether it's affiliates. 
And I always go with this example. If you're a good painter, people will come and appreciate your painting. It doesn't matter where that painting is. So if you're a good storyteller and someone is objective and authentic and you really are doing this for the right reasons, I think people will appreciate them and watch it. If there's something more specific to Columbus or something more specific to Augusta or Savannah, usually what I'll do is send them that blurb separately so they can put that as a breakout or in the anchor intro. Because when I cover stories, it's for not only Georgia, it's for the, the, the region. So it's right. you know, five states, 15 cities. So it has to be a little bit more of a Georgia or a Southeast angle. So with pandemic, right, we've had numbers grow up in Georgia. I have to talk about the, the, the region as a whole, not just Atlanta or one specific city. Sometimes there could be, you know, if there's something major that happens at the Atlanta airport, sure, that might be something that is of interest because a lot of people in those regions may fly through Atlanta. But on the whole, it's more about what can we do with this data? Uh, for example, there was a really heartwarming story that we did on, we, this is all thanks to social media. Right when the pandemic hit, there was a, a group of students, medical students who were stuck in Peru. A lot of people that were stuck outside of the country. And we had folks who were in Augusta, who they were student, medical students at Augusta University, they were in Peru. We reached out to them, we reached out to the FTDC. So we were sort of doing this coordinated effort between Atlanta and our DC Bureau that also filtered through the Georgia stations. So it was sort of a joint effort because I needed local video from them in medical school from Augusta. But I also needed the official sound from politicians or what the embassy was doing from DC. And then the, the, the students were back in Atlanta from the airport. So we were all coordinating, it's like making a pizza. We're all doing different parts of it, but at the end of the day, the pizza's got to taste right. Right. So right. someone's doing different elements, but combined, we were able to share that story. And I think it was important. I think it's important to think about it holistically and people appreciate that because they, they want that good, happy ending, feel good story. And you know, it's always exciting to, to report on those stories as well. Okay. All right. So some fun pieces here. So what's the, what's the last book you read that you really liked? What's the last book that I read? I read a book. Uh, I love reading self-help books. There's a book called Make Your Moment uh, by my friend Dion Lim. Great book about communication and, and authenticity and branding. Um, so really good book. I have a bunch of uh, other books that I'm still on my list, like Eat That Frog, uh, No Excuses by Brian Tracy. I like a gazillion <laughs> of these. So that's the genre that I really love. All right. Uh, favorite uh, local restaurant? I have two. One would be, I like Thai food and I like Indian food. The Tuk Tuk, it used to be Tamarind Seed, but Tuk Tuk, I loft, really good. And I love Bojanic. Bojanic is in Buckhead. Really good Indian food. So those are my- Tamarind favorite. Seed, was that, uh, was that in, in Midtown? It was. So it used to be on 14th Street, then it was right. by where Colony Square is. Yeah, and yeah, a really yeah. funny story about Tamarind Seed, my first, one of my first stories ever, going back full circle to when I was a, you know, a student at Georgia Tech, was doing a restaurant review of Tamarind Seed. And I'd never really had Thai food. And it's funny how like my journalism world, my food world all sort of come together, but uh, the food is phenomenal. They also own non, non-Thai dining yep. on 17th Street. Right. So, but Tuk Tuk is, they're, they're all good, but Tuk Tuk is probably not good. Did Tamron, did they move somewhere else? Move to a different I location? I think they're renovating or re, redoing right. that, that specific, uh, they have three. They have Tuk Tuk, Chayo, and Buckhead, and Nans. There's three, I believe, by the same owner. But I think before the pandemic, at least they were renovating that. I don't know what's, when that's going to be reopened. All right. So when you like to, when you when you can get away, where do you like to go? What's your what's a good fun place? You mean if, when I can go to the beach like this? Yeah, when you when you can, yeah. You know, um, I like going to Avalon actually. It's uh, it's nearby in Alpharetta. Yeah. I live in Alpharetta, northern part of Atlanta. You know, I just like anything with a little bit outdoorsy, where it's uh, sort of that you you have the hustle and bustle, but it's not too many people. And if it's a good day outside to you know catch up with friends and uh, 
get something to drink or eat, you know, good food, good company uh, is always is always a good thing. Right. Do you have a, a favorite guilty pleasure? I do. Binge watching shows on TV. And it's funny. I don't watch them when they're actually on. I wait till they're done. And I watch all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do that. I do that. All right. And then uh, favorite non-work hobby. How about that? I love improv. I love improv and music. So working on piano, playing piano or singing. But improv is a lot of fun. And we do, we're doing virtual improv, which I was like, who would have thought virtual improv is a thing? But uh, uh, I've been doing a lot with Dad's Garage and we had an improv league. And improv is always fun. And again, it's again going back to storytelling. You're telling story in a different stage. And with the world needs a little laughter. We need, some, we, need, we need to be able to be able to laugh at ourselves and laugh at what's going on. So, you know, someday people will be throwing a 20s, 20s party and they'll be all dressing up as coronaviruses. We can say, hey, we lived through that generation. That's us. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we, we, we do need a lot of laughter. Uh, yeah. I had a I friend here. I threw a party this year at the beginning of the year. It was a 1920s, roaring 20s party in January. Obviously, the last party that we were able to, before social distancing and masks. And I was like, who would have thought all of this would change? You know, you, you just you you just can't predict it. But it's so yeah. funny to think that this is somebody had a good analogy. He said, you know, Y2K in 2000 showed up 20 years later in the form of this bug, the the COVID-19 bug. That's that's and true because we, we all thought y, yeah, we all thought Y2K was going to be such a thing, and it turned out to be nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And then and yeah. now we get and this we turned we thought was going to be nothing. It's turned out to be the biggest thing in our in our lifetimes. Absolutely. And, you know, even in an election year, right, normally in an election year, like four years ago, covering Trump and Clinton, this year, I'm like, I feel like it's sort of, that's been the afterthought of the afterthought. We don't see debates. We don't see those ads. It's just bizarre and it's surreal, but I think it's also like, you know what, life can be unpredictable, but you just have to kind of go with your best foot forward. And if you don't go to the beach, just find the beach like I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, th actually, there's a story in the Journal Constitution today about backyard vacations. I'd I skimmed it, but I haven't uh, haven't had a chance to read through it yet. But my friend, we're Mary, doing that actually. One of my friends turned thirty, and we were supposed to do like Tacana or Dominican Republic, or like do a, Mex a trip to Mexico for her milestone birthday. It was fine, and it, it worked out well. We went to her backyard, and it was a backyard social distancing party, which is totally fine, and we're glad that we could do it. But I'm like, that's our level. That's our bar now. Our bar is like, yay, we're doing a party in someone's backyard. I yeah. mean, I don't yeah. think I'm going to be going on any flight journey, anything. We were thinking about maybe doing a beach in Florida or Alice Beach. I mean, given the numbers going back up, I'm like, you know what? It sucks, but be safe, be responsible, and do your part for everybody else. You know, wearing the mask and washing your hands and all that stuff. So I'm like, you know what? The vacation is not, that's a first world problem. You know, we have our health, we have our jobs, we have our family and friends. So that, there's a lot to be grateful for, but yeah. Uh, Mexico and backyard party, well, backyard party wins for now. There you go. <laughs> All right. So, is there anything we that you, we haven't talked about about your work that you wanted to mention? Anything I forgot? I know we've kind of covered a lot of ground here. We did cover a lot. Of, I know. I'm so certainly, uh, certainly, kind of a, a chatterbox. Um, no, I do have. Uh, I was going to add one little uh, small yeah. thing to, to say. So, I know we're in the middle of a pandemic, and everybody's sort of frustrated that we you know we're not able to eat out at restaurants or go shopping and you know do what we thought we could always do. But I think there's a lot of inspiration and things that we can do. And to me, the biggest thing is the gift of time. Uh, one of my agents wrote a book, you know, used his time, woke up every single day and wrote a book. So for those people who need inspiration, I think it's finding that, whether it's reading or all of those things on our to-do list that we wanted to do, this is sort of a godsend. God has given us this time, whatever that is, writing books, creating a movie, you know, working out more, cooking more, you know, see all these uh, quarantine recipes. So I think if you're able to channel 
sort of the, uh, the, the time into something productive. I think it's a win-win. And at the end of all of this, we're all going to be hopefully better cooks and better, uh, you know, better individuals for learning to appreciate everything around us. So uh, uh, that's, so, I never thought I would go and walk a lot. I walk 10,000 steps a day, or at least I try to. And I'm, I'm grateful for that new experience that the pandemic has done. That's great. Uh, we have been talking with Archis Sashadri. Uh, who is with uh, Nextstar and reports all over Georgia. You will, if you are not in Atlanta, you will probably see him on your, one of your local stations in Columbus, Savannah, and Augusta. And uh, Arch, thanks for being with us today. Really appreciate it. And uh, for our, our viewers and listeners, tune in. Hopefully next week we will get another, uh, another great guest and uh, learn a little bit about, more about someone in uh, Atlanta's journalism community. Thanks for being here.